Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and today we are talking about Babylon 5. We've been on a little bit of a break because I had some computer issues, so I apologize, but we're, we're back online and we should be finishing up Season 4 fairly soon. Today we're covering Episode 16, The Exercise of Vital Power, ex Episode 17, The Face of the Enemy, and Episode 18, Intersections in Real Time. Now, before we get into our overview, uh, I understand that Adam uh, was involved in a in a in a in a RPG book that recently came out. So I'm going to give Adam the, the the floor to sort of talk about that, and then we'll get into to our, our discussion about the episodes. Yeah, I was uh, doing some proofreading for the latest in uh, in uh, Necrotic Gnomes BX Essential series, and they're uh, a series of books that are taking the the basic and experts at D and D edition and doing a completely accurate retro clone because it's not a book that's available in print in any way or form. And uh, I I bought I, I this is the third volume, which is Cleric and Magic User Spells, and I. Uh, I picked up the first volume out of curiosity. You know, I just wanted an extra copy of the BX rules because I've got my original ones from the early 80s, but I hate having other people touch them because mm. <laughs> they're so, you know, there's no easy way to get another copy. Yeah. But uh, so I was like, great, this will be one I can give to other people to use. But I, they were just so well laid out and put together that, uh, you know, that I, I actually now prefer them to the original uh, original version of the rules. And uh, the latest volume, like I said, is the Cleric and Magic user spells. So that was a lot of fun being really nitpicky about uh, going through yeah, <laughs> these spells, interpreting them, what does this wording mean? And Gavin Norman, who's the uh, the author, he had a great approach of, of you know, of, of trying, to, trying to word things in a very clear sense. But at the same time, if there was, if there was, clearly meant to be ambiguity in a spell leave the ambiguity there so that uh you know so that the, you know the game master actually can you know interpret things themselves to an extent and spells don't don't feel completely tied down and I, I think the end result came out came out very well i'm very happy with it that came out on friday so i imagine we'll be using those in our uh in our in our D, &D campaign that we were we were yeah, I actually was using the first volume during the uh, the sessions. Oh, we've already oh so had. I've already actually played this version and not uh, not realized yeah. it. Okay, well, it's from a rules perspective, it's identical mm -hmm. to the uh, the actual BX rules. I mean, it is a retro clone, but so it's like a pure uh, retro clone. It's it's, like it's a, a pure retro clone because yeah. Labyrinth Lord is the most famous BX retro clone, but it 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 has a lot of like numerical changes. It like changes the experience points for each level. It Clerics in, in in the original BX clerics don't get spells till second level, but mm -hmm. Labyrinth Lord was really generous and gave clerics first level spells and and you know and so uh, it's like you know I, it, basically whenever I try and use Labyrinth Lord with my BX rules, it, it's like okay, well your book says something different than my book, but this it's 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 a really nicely laid out cleaned up version but the rules are completely completely the same within okay okay that's uh, no that's uh yeah we, we we'll have to get we'll get into that in another episode obviously but but uh, adam ran uh, a bx game uh we i think we got like three or four sessions in um mm -hmm. and uh and it was a lot of fun and and we're gonna we're gonna pick it up again uh hopefully soon yeah, one of the players got busy with work, but we'll see if we can get her. Uh, I need I need to contact her and get her back into it again. And, 
but uh, but I think we can scrounge up some players and uh, and so so yeah so um, so yeah so where can where can people get that is it is it available now or is it, it is available through drive through or you know RPG now whichever storefront you want to go to for it it is available also a nice touch about it too it is saddle stitched meaning you know it's staple bound like the uh, the original BX rules were and that's that I, I find it makes it so much easier just to reference at the table when you you know when you've got something that'll stay open yeah. easily and it's uh it, they're they're little they're little digest sized books it's being saddle stitched it puts a reduction on the page count you can have so it's broken up into different volumes but uh, uh yeah I, I'm very happy with the products so it's, it's one of those things where I'm involved with it because I I was enthusiastic you know I'm not I'm not enthusiastic because I was involved in it. it's the other way around yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know if the setup is the same now but I know back in the 90s and in the 80s when they when they used to, when a lot of these books were saddle stitched I think it used to be like 32 pages 60 something and then like 96 pages seemed to always be the uh the standard um but I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think I think it's around sixty for for RPG now. I think is their uh, is their their limit. But I okay. I'm, I you know it's just proofreader, so I, that wasn't my department. But okay. uh, yeah, and I, another nice thing about these two to, to plug the books just a little more is that you know uh, with with the original books because you got the basic set and the expert set, a lot of the rules are kind of. In a, you know, spread between the base, you know, the combat section, you got some rules in the basic set, then you got extra rules in the expert set, and it's not always intuitive where they were, where they are exactly, but everything is is merged together in a nice way in this, so it's, okay. it's easy to find everything. So the organization is a little bit easier to manage. It is, it is. I mean, the original BX rules were a nice organization, definitely, but th- this is actually an improvement. So, yeah, that's my, my, my plug for the week. Okay. All right. So people can check that out. And uh, I guess we can jump into Babylon 5 now with um, ex- episode 16, The Exercise of Vital Power. So what is your breakdown of this episode? Okay. Uh, let's see. This episode, we've got the uh, Garibaldi thread continues. He finally gets to uh, meet Edgars, and they have a fascinating conversation about the power structure on earth at the moment and uh also lita encounters the uh frozen telepaths for the first time and uh tries to help franklin in uh in in dealing with them which he's been having no luck with up till this point this um and that now uh what, one of the things i liked about this portion of the uh of i guess the story arc for the season is things they're just as exciting but they've they've they're 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 not at the epic scale of all the sort of big combats that are that are coming down the pike and that we've had Um, yeah so it felt really like a nice transition like this felt perfect to me this felt like okay now i'm and i loved and i mentioned this last episode i think but the noir vibe that they're Mm -hmm. that they're getting with garibaldi and just the opening where he's like he's really leaning into this this noir <laughs> thing, and and I can't I can't remember the exact thing he said, but he basically was saying that you know who does Sheridan think he is? Alexander the Great, John yeah. the Baptist, and and you can see his programming really coming to the to the surface here. Um, and, and it's just funny that like the more the more he get the more programmed 
the, the more the programming seems to be at work, the more noir he seems to be. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. So I, th- I thought it was a, I thought it was a really, uh, a, a really fun episode, and and really episodes sixteen and seventeen together as a whole, I, 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 I loved. Um, but I don't yeah. know. What, what were some of your thoughts of this episode? One thing I liked about this episode, and I mean, I think it was almost in hand. I'm kind of glad we took the break where we did because it meant I had the show wasn't quite as fresh in my head anymore. So I had some kind of distance from the previous episodes. But there is no point in this episode where you see Sheridan aside from him being on a screen talking to people, you know, because in both plots, both the, the Franklin plot and the Garibaldi yeah. plot, there are people, you know, people are kind of making a judgment on 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 Sheridan. You know, Garibaldi has to decide whether to betray him. Franklin makes the decision. Oh, you know, he Franklin is, is questioning what's going on with these psychics, but he he ultimately decides. Okay, yeah, I agree with Sheridan, but but Sheridan is kept at this remove from everybody during this whole episode, even though he's in it, and that that adds to the point of. It, it, it helps you get in the mindset of both these characters who are who who aren't sure about Sheridan. Yeah, no, and and also as a viewer, when I first watched this, you still you know I didn't have the uh, culmination of this plot line yet. So I mean, I, I had my suspicions, and they gave you plenty of hints, but yeah. it was still possible. It was still kind of possible that maybe whoever was manipulating Garibaldi was a good guy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There, there was yeah. That, 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 that was sort of in the back of my head and Sheridan's kind of doing some shady things. It's like you said, like Franklin, you know, Franklin ultimately says, well, he, he's, this is the correct thing, but he's pointing out that Sheridan has changed a lot since Sahadoom. And, 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 and even the way that Sheridan is kind of talking, it feels, <laughs> you know, he, and 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 it all leads up. I, I I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it all leads up to eighteen because I think it's this episode or the next episode where uh, Sheridan uh, Ivana Ivanova mentions. I think it's the next episode, but Ivanova mentions that uh, Sheridan says that you know the person is expendable, the job is not. Um, yeah. There's you know there's a ver- there's a grim efficiency uh, at some of the stuff he's doing, and the stuff with the telepaths. And that's pretty dark. Do you know what I mean? That's and and uh, uh, and so you know, the, Franklin. This episode has a breakthrough with the telepaths because Alita Alexander, and then he brings her in to, uh, uh, you know, whatever it is Sheridan is planning. I don't. I think I don't think that the viewer actually hears not what he says. Tip- or, no, no, that's that's. I I honestly don't remember. It's one of those one of, like so there's elements of the show I remember, not yeah. ones that I don't, and I. I so I I I have going to am still in the dark about mm. what what he's planning with them. So which, I've completely which, forgotten. Which is good. I think that's the right way for them to do this. Um mm-hmm. but 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 Franklin is is obviously has his doubts and then by the end of the episode he and um uh and Lita are planning to uh take a mission to Mars to to complete whatever it is Sheridan wanted them to do with these uh what's the name of these telepaths that have the shadow technology implants do they have a particular name because I was struggling with that in my notes I I in my notes I I I went I first I wrote shadow telepaths and then I then I wrote frozen telepaths Mm. so I I I don't know I yeah I don't think they have a 
they've given them a particular name. I, it's uh, yeah, I've never heard a, a standard name within the fandom for them or anything. But, okay. uh, but yeah, because I started with Shadow Telepaths. Well, they're not really you know with the shadows, so that was wrong. But then like fro- I guess frozen telepaths, but they're not frozen all the time. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good. I, it is it is something I struggled with though. What do I call these guys? But but the uh, the heart of the episode is really the Garibaldi plot line where he goes to me. Yeah. The guy's name is Edgar's, right, Mister Edgar's? Edgar's, yeah. Um, I li- I like that. At number one, he arrives on Mars, and again, it's ve- I cannot emphasize enough how noir this feels <laughs> with his narration and just his whole attitude. Um, and is the is the number two guy is uh, what's that guy's name? Um, oh, uh, I, I should have written that. I just down. called him Edgar's number two. Uh, I think, is it Wade? Is that his name? Wade, it is Wade, yes. So, so number one, I like Wade. I like the, uh, yeah. I like that, you know, he's the first, you know, when he, when, when, when he's taking Garibaldi to, to speak with Mr. Edgars, he makes a point of mentioning that he has a master's in literature. Um, which immediately uh-huh. I was like, okay, this is probably a point where we're going to get something important because that's, I'm sure the writer is maybe injecting some of his own. You know? <laughs> and, and so, uh, so he has this line in here where he says, everything is a metaphor. Nothing is real. Um, uh, and, and so I don't know. I just, I just sort of wrote that down thinking, okay, that might be fodder for future discussion about the series and about, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, some, some, you know, maybe some some of the some of the ideas at work, which which I'm sure we'll get into when we talk about the the final episode this season, which definitely uh, gets into some interesting territory. But uh, but I don't know. I found I found it interesting that this this thug essentially has a master's in literature. Um, yeah. So either yeah. you know a master's in literature isn't worth uh, that much in the future. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or or you know, he's got a shady past and something prevented him from pursuing that line of work. Uh, but I, but I really wanted to know the backstory on this guy when I, when I found that out. Uh, yeah. It also kind of makes Edgar's interesting that he's got this, you know, guy with a master's in literature is his, uh, is, is his head goon, you know? Well, and when, <laughs> and, and when he speaks with Edgar's Edgar's, one of the first things he talks about, I think, is is the Greeks and their definition of happiness. And, and yeah, so, exactly, know, you know. exactly. It's like he, you know, Edgar's Edgar's values, intelligence, and his and his uh, and his lackeys. Um, and so, uh, well, so so that so he finally meets Edgar's, and Edgar's. We've we've heard Edgar's voice, right? We've had like the Charlie's Angel thing, but we haven't actually yeah. seen Edgar's. And he and it's funny because he really do, he kind of has like a. Um, uh, uh, I I don't know. He, he just feels like one of these relics from the '70s to me. When when he when, when he comes on screen, he's like an he, he seems like an he aging is. star from the from the. Well, he is. I mean, he's that from Zimbalist yeah. Junior from the FBI and stuff. So it's perfect. I, it I, is. I I can't say that I recognized him from the show, but I knew that he must have been on a show like that when I looked it up. You know, it, yeah. He, he just ha- he just had that vibe. He he was somebody who. He could have, he, he he would have fit very well into like a Naked Gun movie. Do you know what I mean? He's <laughs> yes. One of those kind of <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's no. It's it is just perfect, perfect casting in this in this scene. And the scene is done so well. I was, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where I, I 
was really, you know, I mean, he, he, he's kind of got this fascinating world view, you kind of get this complex view of Earth up till, because up till this point, you know, it's like, oh, Earth is controlled by Clark and the Psychor, and that's that simple, but it's like everything becomes so much more gray, and, you know, it's like, well, yeah, Clark's just the president. We can get rid of the president anytime we want, but we just got to deal with Psychor first, and, you know, you're like, whoa, it's just, it just it just adds this whole level of depth and reality to what's going well, on on Earth, and and we'll probably get into the next episode soon. But because this is you know the, a lot of the things that are hinted at and are relevant, uh, you don't really know until the next episode. But but mm-hmm. during that whole discussion where he's sort of building his case, he's basically making an argument against things like the Nazis. He talks about like you know he mentions the Nazis, then he mentions the Communist Party, and then he mentions. Um, the uh, the jihad party, which I assume is yeah. something that happens uh, down the road, but it's interesting to me that he makes he builds this case when he's essentially, as we discover in the next episode, uh, he's kind of creating a genocide drug for telepaths. Um, so it's yeah. uh, uh, it doesn't. I I get the impression that Edgar's isn't, um, and and that that theme is very heavy over the course of these three episodes but uh but i get the impression that edgar's doesn't he he doesn't you know as we discover in the next episode he, his intention here isn't to isn't to wipe out telepaths it's to control them control. But, but but one consequence uh um again i think i'll say i'll save my point for the next episode because that's when it becomes relevant but but that whole conversation was very interesting because of that all the stuff he's bringing up and uh and and sort of his you know, you, you could you could you could you could swap out a few names in that speech, and you would have sort of your typical argument against the Nazi rise to power. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a very complicated character. I mean, I, I it's it's you know, I, I I just like I said, I was just kind of really wrapped up in that conversation because there is just a lot of depth to his viewpoint. And uh, yeah, I mean, I this I'm I I was just. Uh, you know, I, I, I got, this whole plot line was something I hadn't thought about as much in the show, and I'd kind of forgotten a lot of it. But it's been one of my favorite parts of the show, honestly, watching it again. And and Edgar's serves Garibaldi orange juice, which kind of got my, you know, number one, the oh, Godfather yeah. thing with oranges, which I feel like we've had so many orange references that mu- they're mu- like, I don't know. I, I'm always on my toes when I see anything orange in this show now. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but also the basic point is Edgar's wants Garibaldi like he tells him a little bit of what he's up to but not the whole thing and he's like when you when you say you're in all the way then I will give you the truth. Mm-hmm. And and so the story that number 1 we 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 see a little bit of what Edgar's is up to. He goes to this weird lab and he's somebody's dying of a horrible disease and and if and if you didn't know better, you'd think, oh, Edgar's is a compassionate man trying to cure because he even puts his hand on the guy and says, you know, it's a terrible yeah. thing to die alone. But then the stuff you find out in the next episode completely recasts everything that happens in that scene, which was one of the good things. I watched these episodes twice because I watched this one so long ago because of my computer issues that I uh, it was nice to actually sort of be like, oh, that that is a totally different meaning now that I have uh, now that I know it's coming down the pike. But basically, yeah. he's in this—he's in his pharmaceutical lab, I guess. You know, sort of, uh, you know, watching a man die, and and out of compassion, is like, well, just let's let him die, you know. Uh, <laughs> and and um, 
and in the end of the episode, Garibaldi finally decides that he's going to demonstrate his sincerity. And uh, uh, the way that uh, Edgar's wants him to demonstrate his sincerity is by getting him uh, Sheridan. And so Garibaldi says, you get him by going through his father. His father has a rare blood disease. One really important detail I noticed here, a rare blood disease and the, the, the cure for the blood or the treatment for the blood disease, I think relies on something from Centauri. Is that correct? Uh, I thought they said it was shadow technology, but, uh, or was there a Centauri connection? I thought so. Well, maybe not. I might've misheard. So I'll, I'll hold that in abeyance, but I thought that that was going to become relevant next season. Um, but if uh if well it could it could be actually maybe you're maybe i'm missing the centauri thing and i mean being shadow technology and being connected to centauri can very well be the same thing so okay. uh, we we well, maybe both those points I think, are right i think it was but. called something like tenastasin or tenastin something like that i can't remember the name of it um, yeah yeah i uh but, but but i but either way garibaldi says that he that he's he's in and uh and edgar's is you know like well you know saying that you're in is one thing you need to demonstrate that you're in and so <laughs> he uh he has to uh he he basically has to like you know help him get Sheridan so he he tells him where the father is and then it seems that he's gonna he's gonna betray Sheridan in the next episode and one other thing that happened this episode that was important is the the whole interrogation thing with um uh with Garibaldi uh and the telepath where Edgar oh, yes. wakes up in the middle of the night and and asks, you know, he has a telepath there and he just basically is trying to find out, uh, you know, his feelings on telepaths seem to be the main thing he wanted to know. Um, but he mm-hmm. also, at the end of it, is like, oh, and one other thing, do you still love my wife? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, which didn't really go anywhere. I was kind of, you know... Uh, it didn't. I Honestly, the whole... Uh... The whole thing, that that whole plot line there with the wife there just didn't didn't do much for me. I felt like, you know, the conversations he has with her over these two episodes, I feel like, yeah, we've, we've already had the conversations about you loved your work and you didn't spend enough time with me. I mean, that's it just it just it just felt like we're going around the same loop again here that we went through last time this character popped up and we, we haven't gone forward in any well, any direction i think one of my other issues with that one is i just have trouble accepting that garibaldi is the kind of person that gets hung up on 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 that sort of thing <sighs> you know what i mean he, yeah i could believe it with a guy like sheridan but a guy like garibaldi doesn't seem like the sort of person who would like pine uh at great length um, yeah and so yeah i i, I can see that too yeah um but but it was an interesting scene, and they end up killing the telepath after after Garibaldi leaves. They shoot her, um, and which I guess if you have a, it, it kind of makes sense like why they're doing it. Um, you know, uh, they probably could have just put her on that drug though. I would imagine, and then keep her on retainer at the um, at their compound. That's true. Um, That's true. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So uh, but then moving into the next episode, the face of the enemy. Unless you had something you wanted to add. Uh, no, I think I'm ready for the next episode. Yeah. So, and this one just kind of continues the storyline of the previous one. We get to see yeah. uh, Lita and um, and Franklin arrive in Mars, and uh, 
Lita Ford, Gina Davis. I can't remember her name, but but that's what I'm going to be calling her. Uh, she, uh, uh, the the Mars Resistance leader, she is not happy that Franklin has brought a telepath, and we learned that Lita was on Mars before uh, and didn't tell them she was a telepath, which. When I looked up in the Lurker's Guide, apparently she contradicts something that she said in an earlier episode, which plants either the question of a consistency issue or Lita is not being fully honest with people somewhere uh, along the line. Lita Alexander or Lita Ford? Oh, Lita Alexander. Lita Alexander. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I need to come up with a new... uh, That's going to get confusing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, hit me. But yeah, that that's uh, that's an interesting point there on the inconsistency. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, one thing I like though is the uh, the whole the whole Mars plot too. I mean, the thing is that you know the issues that that uh, that Edgar's is dealing with. I mean, his his you know horrible plague he wants to spread is probably not the best solution but he is dealing with something that is this horrible horrible problem that the avorlons have created with humanity where they've created this whole class of telepaths and non-telepaths and it's it is but, just like this this difficult difficult problem but I'll, but I'll point out one thing number one uh other races have telepaths and seem to have figured it out with oh that issue. yeah um so I feel like I and, and every time people every time like Edgar's number two guy is kind of making the same argument that people made on Zaha Doom. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very sort of, uh, you know, early 20th century, uh, you know, ideas of of uh, of of genetic superiority and things like that. It's a, uh, well, I, I feel like Edgar's is looking at it through the law, the too negative a point of view because because everything that i've seen with psychor the reason that psychor is behaving the way they are is because they've been pushed to the side and mistreated and and not you know even with bester you see that like if somebody was just nice to bester i'm telling you that guy would not be the the villain that he is and so (laughs) i oh go ahead i say yeah it's because exactly i mean it's it's if psychics were people's you know brothers or people's mother or something you know it's like it would be it it, it it wouldn't be this huge divide, but yeah, it's like they, because I'm not saying it has to be that problem. Like you say, other races in the show have have done a, a just a, a sensible job of incorporating them in their society. But it's like it's 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 been built into this situation where because there is no no natural connection between anyone that's a psychic and anyone that isn't, it's become this problem. But and uh, but again, and I don't. I don't think that's the Vorlon's fault. I think that's the, the humans have, have, were the ones who made Psychor and did this whole Psychor is mother, Psychor is father. That's like a recipe for them being, for, for them viewing themselves as not part of the society. And so therefore they're going to, they can easily become enemies of the society. Oh, see, I see, but here, taking the Vorlon philosophy though, you know, Vorlon for the ones that the younger races need to be guided. Them just mm-hmm. dumping all these telepaths into okay. the human gene pool and then not being there to help humanity deal with this is is a violation of their own code, you know? Okay, it's fair like, enough. Fair enough. With the with the, the Mimbari had guidance from the Vorlon, so it's like the Mimbari have this really enlightened attitude towards telepaths, but they got, you know, their, their parents were there for them. <laughs> but but I think there's only so much you can only blame the Vorlons for so many things, you know. You got I know I'm just turning their own code on them. That's but uh, 
But I feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like it's a very interesting problem, but I think Edgar's is, you know, a genocide drug is not the, <laughs> is not the solution. Now, granted, he's trying I, to I am not me. in any way defending no, no. the genocide no, no, drug, no. just to be on the record. No, and, and in fairness to Edgar's, he's not planning to wipe out telepaths initially at least that's not so so here's the thing when when he finally unless they're trouble i so, mean we, they pull yeah. the drug back as long so, as long as they do everything they're told i'm not gonna wipe you out which so, is a, a very enlightened viewpoint so 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 a number of things happen number one lita explains that there are these new bloodhound units that do deep scans of people and mm. she gets into her backstory and apparently there was some killer who went around murdering telepaths and psychor took it into their own hands and we get the impression that she was involved in sort of the unofficial retribution uh, that, that resulted in this guy being found and then uh, put in an asylum somewhere in a distant place where he's got all these nightmarish hallucinations that he experiences 24-7. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and in order to find them, they were using these deep scans. And so the Bloodhound unit is the same type of thing. And the deep scans, they're, re- like they're really thorough but apparently they're much more dangerous because they can trigger things like heart attacks and strokes and uh, all kinds of nasty uh, side effects. Um, and and so, uh, so that's a very important piece of information that we learn while uh, Franklin and Lita are, are doing their thing on Mars. Uh, and with the, with the Edgar's plot, once uh, uh, what ends up happening is they get, they get the father and Garibaldi sends a message to Sheridan who who just stupidly boarded the Agamemnon after? <laughs> so there's this whole thing where there's this battle and they convince they're convincing Earth ships to take their side. And at the very end of the battle, the Agamemnon shows up and uh, and as soon as they say we're on your side, Sheridan is like, I'm going aboard. That was monumentally stupid in my opinion. Yeah, like he like why wouldn't he have the captain of that ship come onto his ship? Like it just because they could. It's such an obvious trap. And I still, I, I don't even remember what happens with the Agamemnon after this, but I feel like it just seems like it was sent by Clark to get well, it. Well, it turned out not to be. I mean, it was pretty, because, I mean, they didn't spring a trap, I don't think. But uh, it's still, it, it just... No, but they could have still been working with uh, Edgars or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's... I don't know if Edgar's would have been in a position to set up sending the Agamemnon there. I mean, I, I don't feel like his power structure lies in that direction. But that's, but, I don't know. That's good. But Edgar's, but Edgar's was doing it in order to please Clark. So he could have been working with Clark in tandem to get, to get that's Sheridan possible. there. Um, that's possible. So if they've got him on the Agamemnon, I guess they wouldn't need that extra. That's that true. Extra they could have taken him. Yeah, it, it would be. Why, why, why then have him go off and yeah. deal with Garibaldi? But, uh. Right. So yeah, I think uh, you're right. But he ends uh, up on a on a bar in Mars, uh, where Garibaldi arranges arranges for them to meet. Garibaldi says, you know, they got your dad, but I got some people in place. And if we move now, you know, we can get them. But they need to see you personally because they don't. They're they're worried it's a setup, which is like the worst. Like it's you just know yeah. it's not true. Ivanova right away even says it. She's like, I don't like the way it sounds. This is awful. Bullshit. It's a trap. And yeah. Sheridan <laughs> stupidly goes. Uh, I, I, I really, I really maintain this was a like I know it's his dad, but I don't. I think that Sheridan at this point should understand that you, you do not. He, he's the leader of this big movement. He can't just go there for personal reasons. It's yeah, it's, I agree. It was really, really 
really irresponsible. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but he gets to the bar, and we find out '90s music is alive and well on Mars in the future with that uh, the background. That was really '90s. Yeah. That was super '90s. That that's the most '90s the show has ever been. Was that that music? It it, it sounded like a Courtney Love impression was uh, was being done on the on the stage. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And Garibaldi tranks Sheridan as soon as he sits at the table. And then Sheridan, I was happy the way Sheridan went out. He really went down like a man. Like he, 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 he it was like perseverance in action. He was just, he was, he was, <laughs> Frank was going to do its thing, but he was going to take as many people down as he could. And he was still oh, yeah. like to the very bitter end, uh, you know, trying, trying to remain standing. But eventually he, he is caught and, falls right into the hands of Harlan Ellison and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and ultimately, uh, is, uh, um, uh, actually, no, that's, 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 no, that's, that's, I, yeah. I'm getting my lines crossed. It was Garibaldi who fell into the hands of Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but Sheridan's caught and we see him in the next episode in the, uh, um, in his, in it, you know, he's, he doesn't have a good time. Um, no, no. But, uh, but yeah, we, that, yeah, basically from that point, we, uh, have Garibaldi and, uh, and Bester have their meeting, whereas finally revealed Bester was behind Garibaldi's brainwashing. And, yeah, and he, uh, he lets Garibaldi remember everything, which is probably yeah. the cruelest thing he could have done. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, so after, after, uh, after, uh, Garibaldi tranks Sheridan. He he now he is now told the full truth by Edgar's, and which is what Bester wanted him to. do. That's why he was pro. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm leaving out a huge. Well, no, that's okay because we jump around all yeah. over. But there's a point I want to make. Um, so at that point, he learns about the virus and exactly how it works and how it like binds to like the gene that causes telepathy. But humans are immune, and if they don't get this antidote every ten days, they die. Um, but there's an interesting moment where. Where where Edgar's is sort of you know musing. Well, you know we can we can we can get the the virus out in a couple of days, uh, <laughs> and he says the telepath prop, the and he realizes what he's doing. He realizes he sounds like Hitler, and then he's like the terror the the telepath problem will finally be over. But but yeah. you get the pressure that Edgar's like at that moment is like oh oh what am I doing? Moment um, of clarity. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then we get the uh, the Harlan Ellison uh, cameo where. Uh, uh, Garibaldi pulls out his molar. I guess he had some kind of some kind of implant uh, in his in his in his, uh, in his teeth, and yeah. and he sends a signal to Bester, and then he he meets Bester, and Garibaldi's basically on autopilot. As soon as soon as he's done uh, what Bester needed him to do, he just becomes a drone, and and uh, Bester is sort of sitting there and talking about well what should i do with you now that I, you know like you this is all i needed you for and so you know i'm going to be magnanimous uh because you've 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 averted a genocide um and uh but but bester has an uh an interesting line here he says i'm not capricious i'm not capricious or cruel um which i think is true i think i think yeah. bester is is very much about what bester you know what's good for bester and his goals and the and the goals of the telepaths, um, 
though I think he doesn't mind getting a little bit of revenge against the people of Babylon 5 for being so <laughs> so mean to him. Um, but I don't know, it was an, it was an interesting uh, moment for Bester to sort of be on there, sort of learning about, you know, because he, he was obviously surprised by what Garibaldi uncovered. He knew, he knew something was going on, but he was not expecting it to be this scale of... Yeah, I, I like that Bester didn't know what was going on. It would have been easy to have him go, ah, oh, yes, you've helped me get their plot and everything. But it's like he's like kind of taken aback by what was actually going on. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, we'll deal with it in our own way, which is exactly what Edgar said when he was talking about the telepath. So, uh, yeah. so problem solved and a new problem emerges, I guess, is the... Uh, um, uh, is the way to, the way to look at it because I'm guessing this is where a seed is now being planted for Bester because I mean once Bester realizes this and this doesn't come up the rest of the season so I'm just speculating um, but once Bester realizes that the human the, the that the humans are willing not the humans the non telepaths are willing to engage in uh, um, in, in this kind of a uh, uh, solution yeah this kind of solution <laughs> he probably sees that his own options for dealing with the non-telepaths are, are limited to these kinds of solutions as well um yeah so so yeah so i don't know what did you think of this episode i, I see it as basically the same continuation of the previous episode and uh, yeah it's part two i i think i think i like the previous episode just a little bit better because it's you know this this is more of a resolution of the things that are brought up in the previous episode to an extent hmm. but uh but i mean that that's for me as, as someone that kind of knew some of the things ahead of time so on a rewatch i think i found the uh the, the previous episode more fascinating but uh but yeah I mean, this is still a very good episode it's uh, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it um and it brings us right into the next episode which is yes. uh, Intersections in Real Time, which is a really weird title. I actually had to look it up because I was like, well, what the... It didn't It didn't, it, it, it didn't. dawn on me what the meaning was. Um, but when I looked Either. it up, apparently it's because all the moments occurring in their... So in this episode, uh, Sheridan is... is they're trying to they're trying to get him to do a forced confession. So they're, 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 they're sort of giving him the old uh, classic torture... Uh, mind, mind, uh, mind, uh, I don't know, I guess brainwashing is, it's not quite brainwashing. It's more, it's more like they're just trying to get him to understand the, the situation and play ball with it, I guess. Um, but I think there was a fair amount of brainwashing in there, but I think it was more just wearing him down was my impression of it. Like, well, that's, that's a big part of brainwashing. I I guess so. But, but I figured at the end of the process, they don't need him to actually believe these things. They just need him to, to be willing to say these things. That's true. That's Um, true. But, but yeah, they are, they are sort of like, you know, they're, they're warping reality around him and they're, (laughs) they're playing all kinds of mind games. And, uh, uh, and so, but the reason why it's called intersections in real time is because the moments where he's having those interrogation, even though there are breaks between, are done in real time. Um, okay. Which I didn't even notice. Like I, it, you know, I was I never I never made that connection. I had to look it up. But uh, but it, but it, but that definitely is what makes this episode feel different. It feels kind of like a stage production almost. With um, very much, with, yeah. Uh, it's just him and the interrogator. And the interrogator couldn't be more everyday 
you know, I'm just doing my job kind of an interrogator. <laughs> I have no personal interest in you. Um, but I yeah. don't know. What, what it's you a little, of... little reminiscent of Michael Palin's character in Brazil, I thought, to an extent. <laughs> was, I mean, they're, they're, they're different, but there was just the similarity there. What, what did you think of the episode? Uh, yeah, it's it's a great episode. I mean, it, it does... Uh, I, and it, it, it's it once again too. You have you know it, it. It kind of you know the show's kind of held Sheridan at a distance for a little while at this point. So it's kind of interesting where we're finally back again with Sheridan, kind of being the the protagonist of the story again in this one after this this long break. And uh, but yeah, I, I man, this this is uh, I I think this was really well done. I like the uh, the various the mind games they play in this, and uh, it's it's kind of funny too. The guy who played the Drazi, there's a Drazi that's brought in to say that he's one of the aliens that you know helped control Sheridan and and influence him, and but the. Uh, the, the, the Drazi is Wayne Alexander, who's the same actor that played uh, Jack the Ripper in, uh, okay. <laughs> in, in the Combs the, the Inquisitor episode. So I thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, that was, this is like the second time we've had an episode that's basically about, you know, well, not, it's, it's where the whole episode kind of centers around someone being tortured. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I mean, I guess you'd kind of say there's a Jakar episode like that, but there was a lot more going on. But, uh, and it, was, it was definitely a torture episode, um, but it was yeah. more on a mental level. than I mean, there was some physical stuff, but the bulk of it was like, uh, good morning. Oh, look at the time. It's lunchtime, isn't it? Well, you know, and, and the idea is they want to he wants to convince Sheridan that the truth is fluid. The truth is subjective. It's subject to the whims of the government, basically. And, yeah. and that the soldier, the role of the soldier is just to sort of agree with whatever the government has to say, whether he thinks it's true or not. And uh, and and he makes some very sort of specious but compelling arguments to 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 make his case, um, yeah. you know, uh, uh, and, and, and again, this is well before the days of like Internet trolling and before people had access to all this. So it was I thought it was well done, given, you know, um, uh, and and I like for me the best moment in the episode is the corned beef sandwich. That's the one where <laughs> you really sort of feel Sheridan's pain in the because. Uh, because they do a good job of making the sandwich appealing and seem delicious. And, oh yeah, I wanted that sandwich. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then and then he convinces Sheridan it's not poison, but then he tells him soon after he eats it. The funny thing about toxins is, uh, if you take a little bit at a time, uh, you know you you're you're basically immune to to the effects. And and then he comments that you know I always thought that was a metaphor, but could never be sure what it was a metaphor for. And, <laughs> and so it's a you know, and and obviously it's kind of uh, uh, you know what they're trying to do to Sheridan to everybody in the society is to sort of get you know get them to sort of just a, a drop at a time start to accept this uh, distorted worldview that the uh, um, that P President Clark is trying to get everybody to to believe in, and. And so I don't know. It was a, it was a good episode. Um, it's it's all in one place. It all kind. I mean, you know, it, it's it's really just kind of a conversation over time where Sheridan is resisting uh, the process, and in the end, he he does resist it. But then he's brought. You know, he's <laughs> basically convinced that he's gonna they're gonna kill him if he if he doesn't 
if he doesn't sign the confession and do a, a video thing and they're like look we're gonna we're gonna forge your signature anyways and make a video forgery of you doing a confession but it's way more helpful for our purposes if you're alive so we can send you to like Tahiti on vacation and people can see that you're still alive that that it you know it, it lends more plausibility to our lie and uh, yeah. and the guy even starts to shed a bit of a tear and you're wondering is this guy acting is he is he <laughs> as convinced of the process as, as Sheridan is um and and uh when they wheel him into the next room where he thinks he's going to be executed they just basically rearrange the execution chamber and set up the whole procedure again with a new interrogator <laughs> which i thought yeah. was a really clever interesting way to end the episode and uh, it was you talk about the, the whole thing takes place in one room and it's like at one point oh we're going to a different room and you go in there and it's, it becomes the same room yeah. it's uh <laughs> it's like cause, yeah i mean because there is this kind of feeling it's like I mean, obviously, watching it, you don't want Sheridan to die, but it's like you can you can almost get this feeling of relief. Sheridan's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I've made it." You know, it's like, "Yeah, they're gonna kill me, but at least uh, I've held to my integrity." You know, it's like I, it's it's almost a victory when he's kind of getting sent to the the execution chamber. But yeah. there is no execution chamber; it's just more torture. Yeah. <laughs> so on the one hand, he kind of he it's sort of meant to be deflating, but on the other hand, it kind of shows that that's the best they can do do you know what i mean like that's true they 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 they, because 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 sheridan's whole point is all you have to do is 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 uh i forget the exact way he phrases it but say you know like say no one more time than they try to get you to say yes do you know what i mean like like like, uh it's it's phrased much better than that but it, it, it it's a it's a simple but effective way to get somebody to persevere through a process like that um and uh and 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 so you know uh i think in the end sheridan wins i think sheridan's the one who wins this over the uh over over the over the state that's trying to to defeat him um and also there's that line in there we are all expendable which he's kind of throwing back sheridan's own uh rhetoric yes um, yeah what, what ivanova saying the same thing in the yeah. previous episode. that was really really glaringly obvious that it's like oh it's the same philosophy but it's horrible yeah <laughs> so it's 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 you know there's, there's a lot there's a lot of very well done stuff in this episode and around this episode so i i enjoyed it um it is one of those episodes though that the replay value it, it's not as good as the previous two episodes, because this one, once you see it, you know mm-hmm. that the joy is sort of in seeing everything unfold. Um, and in the other episodes, there's enough sort of classic sort of TV components that you're just as engaged the second time around, I find. So uh, this one, it's more in the, 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 the fun of viewing it the second time is looking for things that you might have missed. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's always it's a rewatch for me as well, but it's a 15 year later rewatch. So I I was able to enjoy it again. But there were there were definitely things that didn't hit me as strongly as they did the first time. So I remembered elements. I remembered, you know, the poison sandwich. And I remembered the big trick at the end with the room, you know, being becoming the same room. I, there, were, there were elements I didn't remember enough to make it entertaining again. But but the the really big moves the sh- the episode made, I was like, yeah, I know where this is going. And uh, I like the guy they got for the interrogator. He was perfect. I know I've he seen was. him in a million things. I don't know who he is, but I know I've seen his face everywhere. Um, 
Yeah, but, uh, that was great, great casting. <laughs> and he and he got he got it just right because there were times where you genuinely believed that because he was trying to do the thing where he was convincing Sheridan that he's the only ally that Sheridan has there, but also being the one who administers all the painful torture that he's experiencing. So so he do, he walks that fine line, and you do kind of believe him at times. It's plausible that this guy is just doing his job. Do you know what I mean? It's plausible that yeah. he really doesn't want to be doing what he's doing. Um, and even at the point when he, when he's kind of shedding a tear because Sheridan thinks he's going to die in the next room, I really didn't know by the end of the episode, whether that guy was in on the whole procedure or if he legitimately thought Sheridan was going to die in the next sequence. Do you know what I mean? It was, I don't know how far up this guy's knowledge goes beyond his one place in the, in the process. So, uh, and I'm, I'm inclined to think he doesn't, I'm inclined to think he's just a cog in the machine that. That's sort well, they of the kind point of, of it. They make the point about how, you know, he's not replaceable. He's someone that can, you know, as an interrogator, I can be you've been given a special status yeah. of being, you know, we were not allowed to kill you. And that's a very special status even I don't have. And I mean, that was a that was just a very dark, dark mm-hmm. commentary on the society there and there. It was uh, it was that was uh, just yeah, I, I there, yeah, it's just a lot of really, really clever clever stuff going on in this episode i thought and uh and yeah so so yeah i I thought it was good um and uh and i think i think it really gets uh, i i know where things are going because i i I watched ahead to the end of the season but this stuff really leads well into what's coming down the the road for the show uh in the ensuing episode so um, yeah as I, I said, the show spent a lot of time in the last in recent episodes keeping Sheridan at a distance and making you question him. And and I mean, this was an episode where it was just it was it, it was kind of refreshing that it just it just won you back to, to Sheridan again. You know, if you if you had if you actually had any doubts about him, it uh, it, it let let Sheridan do what he does best, which is be really stubborn. <laughs> well, and I think it's borne out in the end because Sh- Sheridan definitely does what I wouldn't have done at the end of the at the end of the season, um, which we can get into next. But I mean, I I think he you know he, he you know he he definitely uh, you know he, he definitely remains the hero by the end of the season for sure. Oh yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So uh, I guess uh, we're coming on the hour, so we'll we'll end it there unless there's something else you want to add about the episode um, no i think i'm good and so we will uh be back on during the week with the next two or three episodes i believe and uh we will uh also uh be on friday i know we didn't we didn't post a uh, a movie th- this friday but uh this coming friday starting for february we're going to be doing all of the brave archer series uh you know sort of for like you know the the love theme of Valentine's Day, and we'll be doing, uh, I think, Chinese Ghost Story uh, for the the final Friday, and and yeah, so we'll uh, you know we'll 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 keep you updated, and uh, also you can check out uh, me and Kenny's uh, discussion of Return of Condor Heroes. Uh, we are reading through the Return of Condor Heroes and doing five chapters at a time, where we talk about the story, and and then when me and Adam finish Babylon Five, we'll be doing the uh the 2006 return of condor heroes television series which interestingly enough me and kenny were crunching the numbers it takes longer we think to watch the show than it does to read the book uh the uh 
the 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 TV uh, we, we were trying to break it down by hours and we're pretty sure that the show takes more hours to watch um, I, I believe that I mean I don't know it, it takes longer to perform something than to read something so well, it's just funny to me because I always sort of think of like the live action version of something being like the shortcut do you know what I mean it's sort of like but like you're really doing it the long way around when you do it by the by the series now that when we actually looked at the, the, yeah, the amount of you know, episodes Usually things are condensed into a movie, and when you've got a movie, they cut so much out. So, but if you're actually going to do a TV series and do actually perform the whole book, it's it's going to be longer. Yeah, I guess it's like the audiobook effect. If you read the entire audiobook, it probably it takes longer than it does to actually read it for most people. So, um, yeah. Though I have to admit, I always read. I, I I like to know the sounds of the words, so I always read things as if they're being spoken. Um, Mm-hmm. But uh, but uh, but anyways, that's just besides the point. We will, <laughs> we, we, we will be back next week, and uh, and until then, we'll talk to you later. Bye.